Welcome to Indie Beauty Radio with your host, Rachel Whitaker, founder of the Indie Beauty Delivers community. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the 25th episode of um, Indie Beauty TV this year. Um, I was just chatting with my guest, Rosalind, actually, and we were just saying, wow, 25 episodes in a year. It's, um, it's really, really cool. So as you can see, this isn't a solo show. I do have a guest, and I will introduce Rosalind uh, properly in just a few seconds. Um, this is Indie Beauty TV. My name is Rachel Whitaker. I'm the founder of Indie Beauty Delivers and the host of this show. Um, it's a weekly show that goes out every Thursday on my Facebook page and also goes gets loaded up onto my YouTube channel. Um, so if you really enjoy um, listening to this, and watching it um, and you want to get more involved in my community there are loads of ways that you can do that um obviously my youtube channel because there, i'm slowly loading every episode on um but there'll be loads and loads of valuable content on that really really soon so go subscribe to that um you can also join my facebook group which is called indie beauty rocks and i think you can use the link at the top of this facebook page to get into that and join it and if you want extra bonus, juicy, not put anywhere else material, then you need to get onto my email list. So you can do that through my website. There's a button that just says sign up for my blog. Um, and you get an amazing email every Monday that only you get, only those very special VIP members on that list get hold of all that um, content that I give away in there. So go do that as well. That is my waffling bit done. Um, I'm going to introduce you to Rosalind, who works for a company called Barker Brickell. Um, and Rosalind is a specialist in intellectual property. And I'm going to hand over now before I say something wrong. Rosalind, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, yes, thank you, Rachel. Um, so my name is Rosalind Newsom. As Rachel said, I work for Barker Brickell. We are an intellectual property boutique firm and we're based in Birmingham. So intellectual property is the umbrella name that's given to patents, which is the technology, the creative side of something. Um, trademarks, which will be the brand that goes with the product. The design can be the actual concept of the bottle. And then there's also copyright, which um, really is there to protect artistic creative works. So all of those four things together are intellectual property, and that's what we as a business specialise in. But me personally, I leave all the techie, sciencey stuff to my colleagues, um, and I'm just purely on the, the branding side. And you head up the sort of um, the beauty cosmetics division, don't you, Rosalind? Yeah, that's right. So I've uh, for like the last twelve months, as Fian, as we've realised that we all end up working with certain clients and in addition to advising them on the IP side of things you get insight into the industry so some of the challenges that they're facing whether it be sourcing raw materials or um, perhaps other considerations of the logistic side of things and we realize that we can add value to our clients if we hone in a little bit more in some of those areas so for me personally um, cosmetics and actually food and drink are two of my main areas and that's obviously where I met you, Rachel. We were at the, the um, Foylet exhibition. Um, yeah, we, it, we, were, we were at, uh, what were we at? Uh, yeah, SDS Formulate, wasn't it? Like, yes, it? that's right. I was, yeah, watching you. Out and about. <laughs> yes, yeah, no, exactly. 
Um, and it's even within the cosmetic sector, there's lots of IP everywhere. Um, so I just thought I might have some visuals if that would help just try and bring it to life a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Because I think uh, sometimes the, I was fascinated when I met you and started talking to you about this subject because for me it went far deeper and there were so many more considerations than perhaps I'd expect and perhaps some of the people who are watching uh, you know, this interview. So I always think about sort of trademarking, but there were so many more amazing things that you were talking about. And I'm hoping that you can sort of eye-opening stuff really that makes you think, whoa, should I be protecting that? And I think that's the real value that's going to come out of our interview today for people watching. I hope so. And I think it's it's people think if they're a small company or a startup that they haven't got any IP. And that's wrong because from the moment that you have your inspiration and you have your idea or even you get your company name set up, there will be some IP. It's just identifying it and then seeing what there is to protect. Mm. So if we go back and say, you know, the patent side of things, I happen to have my phone here. So obviously, even within the phone, there's going to be all the swanky computer software and the real innovation. And that's going to be protected by the patent. But within the same product, you've obviously got the, the trademark, the Apple logo on the back, um, as well as the actual individual product name being the, the iPhone. Um, or then in the cosmetic field, so this is, uh, I don't know if you're able to see that, so this is a pie, pie brand product. So they've obviously got the nice, the, the pie logo and the frond that, that goes with it all of which makes it very creative. But the actual box itself on the one side has got a very nice botanical panel on the box, and that could be protected by a registered design. So there are lots of different options to help your product stand out from the vast array of other products that are out there. Um, something as simple as colour. If I was to wave a purple chocolate bar at you, you'd probably be able to guess that it was a Cadbury product. Yeah. So it's just, it's opening your idea to the possibility of the way that you can communicate with your core and your customer base, because it goes, like you say, it permeates so many different layers. Yeah. Now, that's fascinating, because you wouldn't, I, I mean, and this is why it was a real eye-opener for me. I wouldn't necessarily, I get the logo, like go back to the pie thing, I get the pie, I get the frond, I think, yeah, 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 I'm going to protect that. But I wouldn't necessarily think about the the, 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 the sort of, panel on the packages yes. being protected but of course it's really really valuable and so it does take us a little space further why is it important to look further than just your trade your, you know your, your trade your, your sort of trademark logo issues well there's some research that came out recently that said that as consumers we make more than i think it was 300 decisions a minute when we do our shopping and I was thinking, no, that's ridiculous. And then I thought, well, okay, let's take milk. We all buy milk every day. But then do you want full fat, semi-skinned, 1%, coconut milk, almond milk, soya milk? Then what size do you want it? Two pints, four pints, half a pint. And you suddenly then realize that actually, as consumers, we make an awful lot of decisions really quickly, most of the time, without even realizing that you're making those decisions. So if you can use your product shape and your product packaging to help 
give your product the wow factor on the shelf or if it's a service you're offering that wow factor when somebody comes to your website you're immediately giving your brand a boost forward so it's a competitive advantage so that comes back to the initial question of every business is going to have ip so identify what is your ip identify what you see as being unique to you and then consider if you want to invest in protecting that mm. okay yes yeah. so it's it's all those because most of the guys who are watching this are terribly creative that's why they're uh launching skincare and cosmetic lines so it's creativity it's but it's beyond just your formulations of your logo. It's looking into uh, your colours, um, the sorts of things you might use as your branding, like that panel with pie, even words, even maybe like catchphrases or, or things like that that you might use around your brand. Yeah, exactly. I mean, trademarks can be used to protect slogans. Um, so have a break, have a Kit Kat. <laughs> so um, it, it can be anything, any marketing collateral, if used in the right way and if distinctive, can have some value to it. Um, there so is some stuff that you use to define your brand. It's the stuff that you've identified and create and dream up that makes you different visibly, visibly from yes. everybody else. Exactly. But it's also then realizing where the line is because throughout my career, quite often, as you say, we, we protect the brand with the, the legal protection that goes around it. But we work alongside a lot of marketing agencies, entrepreneurs who come up with these amazing creative ideas and they get really committed to the brand and they're at the point that they're going to do the TV campaign or put it on the product. And then they just suddenly think, hang on, I better just check that I can run with this, that I can use it. And so we often come into the process quite late because you can run with a brand if it's unique to you. But if, you're, if you've picked a brand or elements of a brand that give a nod and a wink to another company, then you might be entering into dangerous water. So sometimes, because we're involved late in that process, we actually have to say, hang on a minute, there's a bit of a risk in running with this. Are you sure you want to do that? And of course, that's not the message that people want to hear. So what I'm trying to encourage people to do is talk to the legal advisors at an earlier stage, help us steer you through the waters so that you really do have a brand that's mm robust and future-proof and unique to you whilst knowing that you're not going to be treading on anybody else's toes. Now you gave me a good example of this around something to do with oven chips didn't you? Yes. Give me so, the, give me the oven chips example. <laughs> the oven chip example. Okay so in when you come to registering a trademark there are certain criteria that have to be met. So because the trademark will last indefinitely you can keep it as long as you keep paying the renewal fees every 10 years. It's examined by the UK Intellectual Property Office and it has to be seen as distinctive, which means, as we've said, that it's a strong creative brand. It can't be descriptive, 
which means that if you are a skincare brand, you're not going to be able to register the word skincare because legitimately any other company should have a right to use that word. But again, sometimes common pitfalls is people choose a brand which might be um, itch relief today for sensitive skin. But all of that is purely descriptive. So you're not going to be able to control other people's use of that because ultimately you will have a Boots itch relief, um, Sainsbury's itch relief, L'Oreal itch relief. But if you're trying to build a brand, you need to come up with something that, yes, lets the customers know what it does, but isn't purely descriptive. So that ties it back to the oven chip example. So years ago, McCain's were the first people to come up with the idea of chips that went in the oven, and they called them oven chips. But because they also, or it became used generically, so we all use oven chips now, but it doesn't necessarily mean the McCain's branded oven chips. Mm. It could supermarket own branded oven chips mm. so, and the other side of the coin is the stronger a brand you can pick the easier it is for you to stop other people using it in a way that becomes descriptive and undermines it yeah good i like that that makes it really that makes it really really clear um and i think again we've touched on something um where this is all about your brand isn't it it's how to absolutely it's how to choose a brand really well that will allow you to run with that and grow with that and have a, a brand which sort of you know goes to the to the future and the robustness and the, the sort of longevity of it. Yes. Um, yeah. I love and the, often, I if, if, thinking about the, the sort of the, the description of your brand, the tagline, if you like. Yes. That's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. But the, there are the different layers to it. So as you say, it's coming up first of all with the, the name itself. Um, and that should be protected because that will give you the broadest rights. Mm -hmm. And by, I mean, you know, as you would kind of type it on the keyboard, so not linked to any particular color scheme or font or stylization. And then the next layer would be to actually look at the visuals the get up of it so you know with your own indie beauty delivers you've got your nice color scheme you've got your little parcel and your bow all wrapped up and that's your unique branding offering so that would be another layer of protection and then subject to what you're providing as we say you can then delve in even deeper so i've actually also got here a you know a brand of perfume which again the the bottle shape is very unique and distinctive and of mm. course uh, the very Mark Jacobs, isn't oh. it? Yeah, exactly. I know exactly who that is because of the bottle. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, even though, of course, it's got the, the two brands in there in the smaller print, it's the visual aspect that delivers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's all the, it's all the layers. I, I, I sometimes think we're maybe not sure and aware of all those layers. So I think that's really, really yeah. interesting. Now you also started to think about you started to talk about a really interesting point there, um, and that's about um, the how valuable the relationship is with um, a company like yourselves from a very very early stage, rather than um, a later stage. And I know we've both got horror stories about brands who've reached 
wonderful points in their business and then been halted because of this kind of uh, lack of checking earlier on. So just go back to that and explain to us how, how, how valuable a company like yours is and where you can begin to work with brands and how that continues as well. So what we've found really over the years through trial and error is that being involved earlier on is much better because we can give a clearer steer. So all the other forms of IP that we've discussed, the, the patents, the registered design, they've all got a limited time frame around them. But your brand can last forever. So you need it to be robust and you need it to be strong. So if you're at the point of creating a new brand, you want to make sure that there's enough distance between your brand and other companies that are out there for you to stand out, but also for you to then diversify as the company grows. Mm. So the starting point really for any brand, once you've got that idea, is to check, one, that nobody else has got it, and two, that it's free for you to register. So we would always say that you should do a search, and a search is quite easy to do to identify third-party rights, um, because even it doesn't have to be an earlier identical mark that could be a problem. So if there's a, a spelling variation, so if, if one substitutes a CK for a K or for an X, they're all phonetically very similar, so they could also be an issue. And sometimes I think the nuances of that aspect of the work can be overlooked if you're doing it without some professional support. So you can run the search, you haven't found a bang-on identical hit, so you think you're good to go. And actually, you might be okay and you might be trading for 12 months without any problem, but then as a business, you suddenly get an injection of cash and you get more publicity, and then suddenly you're on the radar of these bigger companies who are thinking hang on, I don't like that. And problems can still come out of the wood work day to date. So having those checks done initially gives you the confidence then to take the brand forward where you need to. Mm. And I think this is where um, certainly I, I've had some, some experience of working with brands who, who've, um, who've invested an awful lot of time, energy, money and packaging, marketing, support and all that kind of thing. And then have I have then thought, oh, actually, I better, I better go and register this, or I better go and do this, and have found out they can't have exactly what they want, and there's an awful lot of money, like I say, energy and time spent. So it is, it isn't, it's a really important upfront stage, isn't it? It, it? it should be classed as part of that creative process of building your brand, not something you make, you go creative and build it, and then you go and check it. It should be exactly is that creative element. It helps and guides that creative element as well as saving a lot of money and, and, heart, and heartbreak, actually. It's more heartbreaking, I think, than anything else. Yeah. No, it does. And I think the one other thing that we've found is, you know, people incorporate companies at companies' house and they register their domain name and they think that that gives them the right to the brand, but it doesn't. A company name, a domain name and a trademark are all three separate legal rights mm. and often people don't appreciate that. So... They have a, say, the company and they've got the domain and then they just assume that gives them the right to go on and, and it, it doesn't. Trademark really is king in that scenario, which again, feeds back into why it's so important to get your trademark in place. As mm. soon as you have a vision that you're happy with, um, people can be worried perhaps about doing it 
too soon. But with a trademark registration, it lasts for an initial period of 10 years. But actually, you're given five years to bring that brand into use before somebody could look to try and cancel that registration. So there's a really nice lag period for you to get the company up and running. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's really, I think that's really, really, really interesting. And I think all of these things are so worthwhile as well. I mean, I've recently sort of had experience where people have come up with incredibly great ideas um, and they've started to um, put themselves out there and market, et cetera, et cetera. They've got to the point where they thought, oh, actually, maybe we should register this. And they've gone to register it and, it's, and somebody else has registered the, the, the almost the identical company name, if not the identical company name, very soon after their marketing actually started. So it's almost yes. like there are some people or organisations out there looking for good ideas um, yeah. for branding and maybe swooping in quickly and, and sort of getting those. So it is such an important part. Um, and it's a bit, for me, it, it just mirrors the logistics thing as well. It's one of the things which when you're just so involved and excited about launching and creating something possibly don't spend as much time thinking about and there are just mistakes in both areas which if you spend that time up front looking at it would save time and energy and money later on so yeah very very true with me um now i often liken it to the registration process of a trademark to your house insurance so you know we all hate having to get your house insurance sorted and pay that annual amount but you do it and you file the policy away and you might have skim read it but then it's only when you actually need to make a claim that you think oh my goodness thank you know i have it and drill into it so getting your trademark registered is, is a little bit the same way you know you go through the process you file it and then hopefully you just put it away then it comes to light that as you say somebody's swooped in or trying to take advantage of your brand you've then got the registration there that you can use to enforce. So that upfront cost of getting your rights registered at the start should save you an awful lot of money if you then need to enforce those rights at a later date, Mm. which is so important to get it done correctly at the outset. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, one of the other things which is quite um prevalent at, at the moment especially with the rise of independent beauty brands is some of the bigger guys like the l'oreal's um are very very conscious of the more of the independent brands launching and they're very very conscious about their the success of them and they are really looking at what's being registered and really looking at what people are doing and there are several brands i know who had lovely names again and and put into trademarks and found out sort of you know on the 11th hour that one of these big organizations had stepped in um and, and put an objection in and, and that's a very difficult thing to deal with you have to fight the big guys so again another really great reason to, to get a company like you involved earlier because you would be sort of helping to advise and spot those potential issues before putting into your trademark and waiting all that time and then on the 11th hour finding out <laughs> that you, you know you can't use it yeah no absolutely and it's it's just it's one of those things like you know i understand when you're setting up a business you've been pulled in so many different directions and there's obviously a limited budget financially and limited time because quite often doing it alongside their full-time jobs. But I do think we need to get IP 
higher up the list of things that people should be doing because it really it will stay with the business forever if the business takes off and in 15 years you're looking to sell it it's an asset to the business and it adds to the overall value that you can get for it so it it really is undervalued i think at the moment on that kind of pecking order of what needs to be done now that's another really really good point because again i don't think i certainly wouldn't consider that and so that that actually by protecting the colors the slogans the trademark uh, uh, the graphics and everything like that you they become an asset a valuable uh, you know yeah. asset within your business so if you do then go on to, to 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 sell it later yes it becomes like a really you set your business up professionally you protected it whoever buys it can continue to develop this brand because you exactly yes yeah, and yeah that's a really go, even if you don't go the full way to actually sell the business if you've registered it you can license it you can franchise it you can make money from it because you correctly own it yeah 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 oh my goodness guys this is amazing stuff i love it when we get someone on who talks about something which is really eye-opening and perhaps people know about it at that top level but they don't necessarily know it underneath yeah um so i think that that's uh, that's really really fascinating now i'm checking all of our questions to make sure we've answered mm -hmm. so what is ip we definitely managed to nail that <laughs> which i really really like and if you look at your graphic behind we can see why you know why it's beneficial to us so i love your <laughs> protect innovation drive commercial value it's coming through there really really strongly yeah should we start thinking about ip yeah basically as soon as you can yeah yeah exactly the, the sooner the sooner the better yeah yes yes and then why should we go to the uh sort of the bother of really expensing this when we have a choice like you said at that time we're setting up our business there's hundreds of things we should be paying for we're pulled about what we need to spend our money on why is this one so important and that comes back to the the analogy really with the house insurance points it's there it's a safety mechanism it says categorically that this is your brand that you own it you have a you have a piece of paper issued by the government that says that that's the case and so if you ever need to enforce your rights you've got a great starting point for example you don't go down the registration route and you just decide you're going to use the brand then before you can even try and stop somebody else copying your brand you have to show that you have goodwill in it, that their use is a misrepresentation of your business, that it's gonna cause you damage, whether that's a loss of profit or a damage to your reputation because they have a substandard offering. These are all really time-consuming, high evidential legal hurdles that for most small businesses are almost impossible to prove Again, as a small business, you haven't necessarily got an audit of everything that you've been doing, that it's dated, that it's clearly got the brand on it. It just doesn't always happen. So by not investing that time and, yes, that money at the outset, you're also then hindering your ability for the brand and the business to grow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think I'm going to tag along with that, that using uh, someone like yourself means that you cover off and you look at all the areas that you should be protecting not just the ones that you know that are obvious um yeah 
everything in there and say, you know, this, this, protect all of this because it's worth it, and or change this a little bit. So it adds, it, you know, real value added there. Um, which sort of goes into why, why should people really be coming and using an IP firm like yourself? Um, it is that sort of added value and, and expert, it's that knowledge, isn't it? It's that absolute expertise of, and as you said, you are niched in the market, you are the beauty person. <laughs> so you bring all that knowledge to, to look at that brand and that can only make it stronger and more robust for the future. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's fair to say, Rach, that the people can go and register the trademark themselves. They can go to the government website. There's um, quite comprehensive instructions there. So if budget is tight, they can go through the form. It's a TM3 that they would need and they can complete it. But if you don't get it right, you don't always realise until you're two, three years down the line and you're trying to enforce it. And that, unfortunately, is, is what we tend to find is the case. So people come to me and say, well, I have this issue, this other company's treading on my toes, but it's okay, I've got my trademark registration and here's the piece of paper. And I'll look at it and say, well, okay, but you've not registered the brand in the way that you're using it, or you've not quite got it covered for the services that you're providing. So we have something to work with, but it still isn't as easy a job and as cheaper a job as it should be to your rights so getting that professional insight yes it's going to cost you a little bit more of course but it should mean that everything is robust it's future-proof and it's there for whatever you want to do with the business and I guess you're there also then for the long term this is a it, it, you know it's like a, a relationship that a brand enters into the same as they were with their contract manufacturer or their logistics or their you're there to help and advise um, through all the different stages and we all know that the way our brands start is never the way our brands finish. They change. Exactly. It's yeah. the nature of our industry. It's the nature of being creative people. So you're, you know, it's, it's having that person that you know and trust to turn to at all the different stages of your business as well, I think. Yeah. And actually, actually, one of my cosmetic clients this week has just picked up the phone and said, we're thinking of doing a brand refresh. These are some of the visuals, you know, what's your gut instinct about this? And I was able to say, oh, well, actually, do you remember a few years ago, we had a bit of a ding dong with somebody else. I think this rebrand is taking you back closer to that brand. So maybe you need to think about that again. Um, and they'd actually, you know, totally forgotten about that because they've been so busy focusing and getting, getting enthused by the new brand and, and where they want to take it. Um, so again, but that's just a, a two-minute conversation and it's because of the history and having worked with them, this particular company, for over 10 years now, from them being a startup uh, in a garage. She was literally there with her hand whisks making the formulation for a cosmetic cream. And uh, last year they won the Queen's Industry Award because they broke the million pound turnover. So, yeah. you know, it's to be able to share that story with them. Yeah, yeah, and that's amazing. And I think it comes back to we, a lot of the brands who are watching this, a lot of the brands that both you and I work with, they, they are uh, starting off as independent businesses with really small teams, perhaps they're even just solo you know, entrepreneurs doing it on their own. 
and the value of building a team around you who can offer skills in all the different areas from from yes. you know, to, to all the other areas that, that we touch on um, we can't do when you're a solo entrepreneur you can't do everything on your own and the value of bringing in experts in these areas um it will cost you that little bit more initially but oh my goodness it's going to save you so much time and heartache and money in the end but it's really worth always building up that solid team around you i think and and your expertise is one of those ones that should be bolted on for sure um yeah. very very interesting yeah now i think we're going to get you back aren't we Rosalyn? <laughs> i'm happy to come back yes so many uh things that we can talk about so we kind of thought today that we'd give you IP. We didn't want to go too much into any details or, or kind of overwhelm anybody. Um, but we would love to do some more interviews with you. And you know, if anybody out there has got um, questions or specific topics that they might want us to look at based on what we've said today, um, it would be really, really useful to, to hear from you. Um, because then we can design the episodes around exactly what you want, which is what we need to do really um so exactly. that would be awesome let us know uh, when you watch this and if you've got any ideas um and i guess if there are any questions that have come out of this um episode uh today um please sort of pop your comments uh below in the comments um tag me in and um and i don't know whether you're on facebook actually as well and uh, we can tag we can tag barker brickell in i think yes. Yes. But I will make sure that all the questions get back um, to, to Rosalind so that she can um, sort of help us out with any questions that we get there. And we can, we can follow you, can't we? <laughs> we can indeed. We're now up and running, yes. So we've got our Facebook and we've got our Instagram account. So we'll... And I think you can share those But I will find them, guys, and I will post them below again so that you don't need to go and find them yourself. You can just click through below from the comments and, and go and follow follow um, Abbas Patel and Rosalind so that you can stay in contact with them. Um, and then, yes, we will be getting you back for some more episodes. So anything you want to tell us, please let us know. That would be brilliant. Oh, well, thank you so much for joining us. And that was really, really eye-opening. You're more than welcome. I look forward to hearing what questions people have got. I know, I will too. It's, no, it's been really eye-opening. And thank you very much for, um, for sparing us some time. And we're looking forward to uh, the follow-up episode. So keep your eyes peeled, guys. I will always give you plenty of notice um, on Instagram and on Facebook when we're going to do the other episodes. So um, do let me know. So thank you very much, everybody, for joining myself and Rosalind today on Interview TV. Um, please pop your comments below. Please put your questions below. We will get back to you. Let us know what you think about the episode. We always enjoy that. Um, and don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel and you can go and get on my very special list as well. Okay, guys, loads of easy hugs and love. I'll see you all soon. Bye. The Indie Beauty Delivers community is a place for beautypreneurs across the globe to network, learn, and share. You're invited to join in on Facebook, Instagram, and sign up to Rachel's special email group to receive weekly blogs packed full of expert tips. Visit IndieBeautyDelivers.com to sign up.